Hello and welcome to part two of uh, Batman episode on the Marvel Cinema podcast. Uh, yeah, so this is part two. Last last week we did a uh, part ten to six. Uh, not part. Uh, ranking ten to six. Uh, now we're going to go through five to one of favorites, uh, essentially. Um, yeah, uh, once again, uh, if you can follow us on Marvel Cinema podcast on Instagram. Uh, at the moment, we're just doing random random opinion pieces all over the place. Just whatever we want to talk about, we're going to do some posts about that. Uh, similarly, we're doing the same thing over on our Twitter account, at Cinema, Cinema Marvelous. Uh, give us a, a like, follow, all that stuff. Um, also, if you can, give us a review on iTunes, on our uh, podcast. Anything, anything constructive criticism is very much, <laughs> we'll enjoy that. Um, yeah, so this is part two of last week's episode on Batman and ranking it. Uh, yeah, so do you want to start, Matthew? Yep, I can continue our ranking. Mm-hmm. My number five. Right. There we go. We're in the top half. <laughs> what a place to be. Yeah. What a prestigious place. Mine is Batman Returns. Oh, okay, okay. Why is that? I again, it's it's more of a case, like I said before, um, from seven onwards, they're all good films. Yeah. The films towards the bottom of this list aren't necessarily any worse than the ones at the top. I just think maybe the ones towards the top are a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas this one, Batman Returns, we talked about Batman 89 in terms of Batman doesn't feel like a character mm-hmm. at some point. Like he, he doesn't, he isn't developed as a traditional character would be. Yeah. And I think that's very much the same for this one. <laughs> or yeah. at least it does to begin with. For example, Batman slash Bruce Wayne doesn't really have any significant scene until about half an hour in. No, he doesn't, yeah. There's All there is is Batman turning up to stop the Penguin goons mm-hmm. at the start and saving uh, Selina Kyle. Yep. And then before that, there's just Michael Keaton in, a, in an armchair standing up when he sees the bat symbol. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And and then it's about half an hour before we actually get a proper scene with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That being said, <laughs> I watched this film, like, like I said, for all of them, I watched all these, pretty much all these films fairly recently. Yeah. And one of the things I enjoyed most about this film is the dynamic between Batman and Catwoman. Yeah, same. I really, really like that dynamic. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> it is. And I think Danny DeVito gives... No, not Danny DeVito. <laughs> Am I self Wait, wait, wait. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. What? It is Danny DeVito, isn't it? Penguin. Yeah, yeah. 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 For a minute there, I got um, his and Joe Pesci's name in my head mixed up. <laughs> wait, it's Danny DeVito. Any similar similar people, yeah. <laughs> um, I think Danny DeVito is great. Mm-hmm. I think he gives a fantastic performance. He's another one of them cases of he just commits to it. Oh yeah, he just goes for it. it it's, he's great in it, despite how genuinely comical it is at the end when he just slides down a ramp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All this somber music playing as these penguins guide his corpse into the river. But yeah. all that's happening is he's just sliding face first. His face is grating yeah. against the ground. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as he slides down. Mm. Yeah, it's odd. 
but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I said, the best part of this film for me is the dynamic between Batman and Catwoman or Bruce Wayne, Selena Kyle. Mm-hmm. Particularly the scene where they realise their identities. Yeah. At the ballroom. Um, when they, they say lines they said to each other as Batwoman and Bat No, Catwoman and Batman. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the realisation arrives. I just love the the concept and the dynamic of Batman wants to save Catwoman, yeah. wants to help Catwoman because he sees sort of that she's a bit of a freak like him, to put it bluntly. <laughs> yeah. That one, of the, one of the core dynamics of Burton's version of Batman is that Batman slash Bruce Wayne is a bit of an oddball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A bit of a bit of a bit of a social socially awkward. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Bruce Wayne does struggle to come to terms with the dual sense of Batman and Bruce Wayne, I think that's more clear in this one than it is the first one. Yeah, definitely. Again, it's it's not given a lot of detail earlier on in the film. I think there's like a throwaway line to it. Yeah. But that conflict and him seeing Catwoman slash Selena Kyle <laughs> as somebody like him yeah, and him wanting to, wanting to save her and help her. Mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful interpretation of the character. Yeah, it's one we're unlikely to see similar of. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I really like the dynamic. I also think it helps enormously that Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer have some pretty good chemistry. Yeah, um, yeah, I feel like Sir Kyle and uh, Bruce Wayne. Are they, I feel like they're. Um, relationship is the only one in these first four films that kind of means anything um mm. it's one of the only ones that feel like they complete each other in a in a weird way where they they draw out each other's weaknesses and strengths um, um and oh yeah and by the way this is, this is um in my number five as well um yeah, yeah the same spot um i i really in a weird way love this film <laughs> I, I watch it every Christmas. Um, it's, oh, yeah, it's a Christmas film, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. It's a gothic Christmas film that includes uh, Batman and Catwoman. <laughs> um, yeah, and I feel like my favourite line in this movie, and I think it goes for all the first four movies, uh, my first my favourite line is um, when a penguin is attacking Batman near the end, and he says, You're this, <laughs> a bat- penguin says, you're this child because I'm a gen- genuine freak and you have to wear a mask. And then Batman replies, maybe you're right. <laughs> um, and I feel like that that's this movie summed up. I feel like it's the only one of these first four films that um, it kind of uses the fact that they're using these characters as freak show kind of attractions and mm. makes that the theme of the movie. Um, and it makes that mean something in any sort of way. I'm not even saying that this movie is really deep. I feel like it's it's still very much spectacle orientated, um, as all the first four ones are, but this one is the one that I feel like is genuinely unsettling and really dark and just it's kind of like I don't know how to describe, it, but it's this weird mix of like dark, dark psychological thriller plus gothic and then plus blockbuster action. <laughs> um, it's hard to describe this movie, and I feel that's the best part about it. It's 
it's simultaneously a very weak Batman movie at the same time as being quite a strong one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got the Penguin in it, who, of course, because Tim Burton, he heard the name Penguin and then said, oh, it's a man who's a penguin. Um, <laughs> and didn't really go out much farther with it. Um, and I feel like, again, Penguin is the one of the very few um, um, villains in the first four where I feel like he's there for a purpose. I don't think it's a, a deep purpose, but I feel like him not knowing his parents who since then have passed and they discarded him and he was son of the son to a very rich um family and him losing all that and because of his because of his freak freakiness or freakhood or whatever mm-hmm. um is very much a mirror to batman i feel like it works well for him um kind of bring bring out that sort of underbelly of batman which is but with a tim burton spin on it oh, yeah. um, um, and I feel like it's, and I mean, again, to, and I feel like even behind the scenes, again, you feel this one being different from the other one because to get Tim Burton back, they said to him, they promised him that he could just make whatever movie he wanted, however Tim Burton he wanted to make it, um, which out of all the films really shows. I mean, Batman and Robin, um, Joel Schumacher was told to be, um, make the film more toyetic. Which is a word I have no idea what that means, but apparently it means make it more like toys. Which <laughs> um, yeah, again, is weird. And this film was—I mean, the main villain Penguin at the end, he, like vomits black bile and like yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Well, yeah, this, he has uh, flippers of hands and like he makes many, many like sexual innu- innuendos. Um, yeah, that's probably the, the thing I probably disliked most about this film. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the sexual innuendos, particularly with Catwoman, mm-hmm. yeah. really aren't necessary. They're not at all. Um, but at the same time, I can't deny that it has an, a weird quality to it. Where like, what other superhero film do you see this sort of like weird darkness? Where it's not dark because it's like edgy and brutal and there's blood. It's more edgy. It's more dark because it's so weird. Like I don't know, like. <laughs> It's so weird, and like, but like the characters like are fully committed to like their characters, and like they believe themselves in these characters, and they they this humanity humanity in these weird freak show people that are like incredibly weird to just look at. I mean, the Catwoman costume is it's so like a weird interpretation of it, where it's not like a cat burglar outfit. It's it's literally like this leather sewn together, um, and. Throughout the entire movie, the outfit gets more and more teared apart to the point at the end where, like, strands of her, like, frazzled hair, like, coming out of it. And, like, mm. she's, I guess she wears, like, at some points, like, pale, like, white makeup, to, like, to make her look more pale. I don't really know why, but it's just cool. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah, I think I I generally, like, love this movie, but I can't deny that it's not the deepest one out of the Batman movies. It's just the weirdest one that I enjoy watching. Um, yeah, it's it's so strange, and I I really adore it for some reason that I can't yeah. even describe. <laughs> I, it just the strangeness in this just feels more strange. Yeah, it's yeah. more extreme, and it feels more embraced. Yeah, um, and again, like I can't really say that it's got it, it cares about Batman as a character than the movie that will that will come do, but at the same time. There are some very like beautiful scenes in this movie, like you were saying before about the the Selena and Bruce scene where they recognize recognize each other as Catwoman and Batman. 
Yeah. Uh, that's like generally like a well-directed, quite intense, emotional like scene. Um, and I think these sort of moments are kind of scattered throughout the movie. And I feel like they're enough to make it genuinely like heartbreaking, but also like twisted. And I mean, I mean, I think my best, the best part of this movie for me, the sequence where Catwoman becomes Catwoman. Um, again, it's like that weird thing, like before where Tim Burton heard that there is Catwoman there, or she must be revived by cats in the afterlife or something. <laughs> um, so Catwoman, soon the cow gets thrown out a window by a boss and then gets licked by a load of cats. And then that brings her back to life. And then she now has nine lives and she's crazy. Um, which again, it's so strange that I can't help but like just love it so much. And the scene that follows with like the Danny the Danny Elfman music and the the her tearing up the apartment and generally like being emotionally like broken and distraught about this the world she lives in, the fact that people don't let her be don't let her be her best self because she's a woman in the man's world. Um mm-hmm. breaking down and becoming this just weird this weird, weird version of herself and it's it's just like it's just like fantastic to see in a weird like kind of uh, fantastic fantastical way, um, fantastical way, um, and again it's weird again that why is, why do we see Catwoman's origin and Penguin's origin but we don't see Batman's origin? Very weird. I don't understand why we're doing this still. Um, it's very much the fact that the the freaks have their attention. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, the villains aren't even. In the first two, maybe the first one, but I think this one, um, I don't think they're, they're villains to Tim Burton. I think they're larger-than-life freak show attractions that have something go on, going on underneath them, um, underneath all that um, appearances. Um, mm. Again, I don't think it goes that deep into it, but I can't deny that it is there and it is visually, not even entertaining, just like magnetic to watch in a... Um, yeah, it's a weirdly, I don't know, is this set at Christmas as well? Because it's very much, I don't know, it makes a film feel even more twisted because it's just like a warm, happy time of year. And it's in this horrible gothic place with smoke rising and all that. <laughs> like, just, again, I don't even know what time period Gotham is in. Is it in 1940s or 1999? I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> um, yeah. I can't help but love this one. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. Also, to touch on what you just said, Danny Elfman's Batman score from this one and 89 is beautiful. Yeah. It's... You, you hear it and see it. Well, you hear it, you don't see it. <laughs> you hear it in very many other versions of Batman, particularly in the Lego Batman games. Oh, yeah, yeah. You do. I don't know if you've ever played them. Yeah. The score is the score's very prominent in that. Yeah. And for me it's just one of one of the things you perhaps most associate with Batman. Yeah. It's like, like as soon as soon as you start watching Batman eighty nine, you hear that and you feel yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the mood. Yeah. Let's it's do this. Similar to like Star Wars or um the uh, the which the Christopher Reeves Superman movies, it's the theme of those movies. Um I see Christopher Nolan movie like the Nolan Batman movies, and I still think to myself, yeah, but like I love this music, but like I can't deny that in my, in my head when I, when I leave this movie, it's still Danny Elfman is the, that it is his theme that is Batman to me, mm, yeah, um, and it it always kind of will be, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. As we perhaps depart 
the Keaton Batman. Mm-hmm. I have a fun fact for you. Oh, okay. Do you know what Michael Keaton's real name is? <laughs> no. Take a guess. Uh, it was a Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, uh, Michael uh, Michael Keaton's real name is mm-hmm. Michael Douglas. Oh. And legally, it still is. So he had to change it because it's Michael Douglas. The other mm. Michael Douglas. <laughs> mm. Oh, I don't know. For you. That's um, it's weird to me now because Keaton is so much his name to me. <laughs> it <laughs> is, in the... isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, that's weird. I don't know that at all. You're welcome. Fun facts, eh? Fun facts. I know. <laughs> Do you want to move on? Number four. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to go? Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if several years ago, if I'd have put this film fourth on the ranking of all-time Batman films. Mm-hmm. I would have shocked myself. But now I find myself putting it forth. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. And that is, it, it, it's Batman versus Superman. Damn right it is. <laughs> <laughs> is this uh, fourth for you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Same. It is. Yeah. I, um, so I rewatched this literally over the weekend. It's the first time I've probably rewatched it since. Oh. I managed to get my hands on the three-hour Ultimate Edition. Ooh. I'd, never, I'd not seen this film. The three-hour version? I'd, I'd never seen the three-hour version. The oh. film as Batman v Superman. Yeah. I'd not seen it since it was in cinemas. Really? Oh. When I watched it in cinemas, it was the only time I watched it. I got right. swept up in all the, it's bad, haha, <laughs> Marvel's better. Yeah. Um, which I deeply regret. Re- regret. Regret. <laughs> regret. Yeah. Um. Now, in light of all the Snyder stuff, mm-hmm. I loved it. Really? Oh. Oh, I just. I thought it was great. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. There are parts of it that I, I'm not. I'm not jazzed about. It's a three-hour film. We're all going to put parts of it that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I was all in. You all in. I love this Batman. <laughs> I think... I mean, don't get me wrong, yeah, he's murdering people left, right and centre. Yeah. Let's not, let's not deny that. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting point of view on Batman. Mm-hmm. But also, I think Batman, Batfleck and Ben Affleck as Batman is, is an inspired decision. Yeah. I think he, he embodies perfectly Batman and Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. His scenes as Bruce Wayne are like he. There are several party scenes where he can just seamlessly go from Bruce Wayne to Batman. It feels like there are two different people. Yeah, it feels like, like, like he, he goes to the, the the Lex Luthor's little library yeah. thing, and there are bits where he's smiling and talking to people as Bruce Wayne, and then he turns away, and the smile just vanishes off his face. Yeah. The entire look changes in his face. It's it's really great to watch, actually. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, and and that's before you get into any of the actual Batman beating stuff up and blowing stuff up stuff. Yeah, and as well, <laughs> part of this film is of course Superman. Mm-hmm. I also yeah. rewatched Man of Steel before this in preparation. Yeah, 
which I also really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. Um, again, the score is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. One of, the, one of the things that stood out to me watching Man of Steel again was the score, particularly at the end. Yeah, it's it's like a euphoric sort of like an amazing score, really. <laughs> um, and to me, it now it's now even more of an insult what they did to Justice League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To change what Zack Snyder had in mind for it mm-hmm. after he made this, yeah. which you know it, it's nothing like any Batman. Yeah. Ever. It's nothing like, I would say, like more superhero films that we are getting. Um, and that doesn't mean that we're getting different superhero movies out, out now, but um, I don't feel like we're ever going to get this this version of these characters ever again. Like, And it's, I mean, the, the, these characters in this movie are such, are such like a low point. Um, I don't mean like something bad happened and therefore they're sad. I mean like, like Batman in this movie is like full on just not who we know him to be, mm-hmm. uh, and it really shows in this movie. And it's generally like depressing in some ways, but also kind of like weirdly rewarding because like when he's doing all this cool shit, you're like he's murdering people, but like it's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you kind of therefore understand what like what he's feeling now. It's kind of like. No, no rules matter anymore. The rules are gone. I went through too much. I am a fifty-year-old Batman, um, and I feel like you get that sense of relief from what he's doing. In a sense, sometimes it depends on how graphic the the violence he's do- doing is. Um, and again, I feel like Superman being the final point of him losing his humanity is a very good story point for me. I lo- mm-hmm. I love to hear that Superman, the people, how people. Um, see others from uh tv or viewpoint or the media in general um can become something what's just not in real life and i feel like that's a great theme in this movie that keeps on coming back um if me the batman has seen so much bad he's no longer able to see the good yeah which is what is essentially what alfred is getting at for the entire film yeah which is i said in in part two i love jeremy irons alfred (laughs) <laughs> he's very good <laughs> I love how he's... he kind of hits when <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like the the, the way he realises himself again mm-hmm. not just through the Martha moment yeah but as uh, the ending as a whole and how yeah. everything just flips on that one moment yeah I think it's brilliant because as well I, I guess we're going to talk about Martha uh, yeah, yeah, we can. It's, I think, because you, you don't really notice it, but how they highlight that Martha is Bruce Wayne's mother's name. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the only word in the opening sequence where they show Bruce Wayne's parents getting murdered. Yeah. The only word spoken is Martha. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Uh, from um, Thomas Wayne, mm-hmm. and you see it like you you see it clear as day on the tombstone, and it's built up, and it's not rammed down your throat. No, but it, you've seen it just enough so that when Superman says it, you you understand what's occurring. Yeah, it kind of pays off very well. Um, you know, again, in a weird way, where I feel like 
if the scene didn't work for you, especially in cinemas in 2016, I get it. It is, it is a moment that's somewhat obvious, I guess. But for me, it just it really does just work because again, going back to the uh, the media viewpoint of like you see people on TV or whatever, and you think of them as a certain a different person than they, they might actually be. Um, and I think Super- Batman treating the image of Superman as, an, as such an enemy of everyone, and he's the possible killer of everyone because there's one there's a one percent chance he might he might go evil. Um, <clears throat> um, I think it's a very relevant thing to, to today, and also I feel like them having this oh, like there's very much like a last moment before he's going to kill Superman of them connecting almost as a simple thing. Um, of Martha and their their him having a mother, um, mm. so it isn't just that it isn't just like um, that the same they got the same the mom has the same name. It isn't just that it's the fact that from Batman's perspective, it's the first time he's ever looked at Superman and said to himself, "This person has parents and a life outside of him in this suit." It's it's so it's like a weird moment to like realize this and that people are more than just what you see of them from an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's a lot more going on than you may know. Are people that you people that you may even know very well. Um, I feel like that it really works for me on that level a lot. Um, and the whole movie is, I think, just beautiful to look at. At least um, it's yeah. it's just like. He just went for it for, the, for this movie, um, and even though yes, people go on a bit a bit about how he's the way his accent is very much kind of like he loves it no matter what the scene is meant to be implying. So like if a if someone's being violent and it's wrong, and the way that kind of does it is kind of like it's a cool thing um, instead of being something horrifying. Uh, which yeah, I guess in some sometimes in this movie that does kind of show. Um, however, I can't deny that. It does. I have to admit, it has. It does work for me. Um, and this movie has some flaws. I have to admit, um, but I wouldn't really. I don't. It never really detracts from my overall experience, especially when we come come to the end of the film. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. very powerful to me. Uh, that ending, in the speech, and the funeral. Uh, yeah. Yes, I think um, towards the end as well. Some of the things that Batman says. Mm-hmm. Like for example, when he when he goes off to save Martha, yeah, he gets in the bat plane, and the first thing he says is to Alfred, "I don't appreciate you." <laughs> or he say this and I don't deserve you, Alfred. He does, yeah, yeah. Which I feel like, as well as like a throwaway, slightly random line, mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really kind of touching. Yeah, in he- the because. This, when when Superman says Martha, mm-hmm. it's not um, him Batman realizing oh he has parents therefore he's human. Yeah, it's them connecting over the fact that Superman just wants to save his mum, mm-hmm. which is all Batman wants to do. Is all Bruce Wayne wants. Yeah, because it, it's you know it's shown throughout the film he visits he visits mm-hmm. his mum's sort of grave thing, and mm-hmm. it's like nightmare sequence about. Someone jumping out there, <laughs> yeah. At him, um, and that's what appeals to him. Mm-hmm. The fact that he, if he had the chance, he would save his his parents. Yeah. And him yeah. realizing that, and realizing what, exactly why he does what he does, mm-hmm. 
and then he speaks to Alfred, who is essentially his dad. Yeah, this is only fam- like family relation, really. And he realizes and says to him that he doesn't appreciate him. Yeah, which I think is nice. Yeah, and then and then like I like the idea as well that um, connecting with the Superman character doesn't resolve him of his past sins. He is still beyond that scene, a kind of a murderous, uncaring of like Batman still. Um, at the end, because he still goes to the warehouse and kills all those people. Um, but I love the idea that it takes um, the final sort of fight where Superman um, sacrifices his life for him to realize that, uh, like the line in Justice League, that does work, uh, that he was, Superman, an, an alien, was better than him. Um, mm-hmm. And the last, the kind of speech that happens during the funeral where he is. Superman becomes a beacon, not as a hope, but of a, of a reason to be better because someone like him was better, who had the power to do mm-hmm. anything and decided to protect everyone for some, like, for some just basic human reason of loving people. Like, <laughs> um, and I feel like that is a, is a beautiful sort of thing in that movie. And I feel like it's, it's handled very well. And I feel like if you're, if you're someone that criticizes, criticizes, um, Zack Snyder for being a very literal filmmaker, which he is, he definitely is. I mean, there's multiple dream sequences in this film that are very obvious and very, like, just done. Like, there's no, like, there's no ambiguity. They're just like, this is the dream, this is what it means. Um, I think that's very similar in the Martha scene, where it is very much, this is what this is, this is what this means. Um, I feel like, I feel like, that for me it works in the sense that he's not afraid to be sincere and even cheesy in some ways because i feel like people don't really respect him enough about him um people kind of think of him think of him as this edgy edgy like dark filmmaker that makes films that are like very covered in shadow and the characters are always going through the worst the worst the worst version of their lives and all these things but i feel like at the same time whenever he wants to do something emotional and uh, euphoric and happy and kind of uh, a blissful moment. He will he will do it with absolutely no restraint. He just does it, and mm. there's an, there's no wink or nod to the audience when that scene happens. There's no sort of there's nothing held back um, in that, and it's it's up to it's so up to the audience if that works for you or not. I mean, I mean I've seen so many people make fun of that scene and make so many like comments about it that are like uh, criticism, constructive criticism just pure jokes and some of them just malicious but at the same time I see people and I never even one person specifically on YouTube who was just like a, a general critic not like even a Zack Snyder fan just a general critic um literally like crying over that scene because he, it affected him so much um which I think is indicative of what this movie is it's it's a very splitting movie you either love it or you hate it there's, there seems to be no in between mm. um it either works or it doesn't um and I feel like if it works, it it really works. Um, and that's say I don't have some problems with it, but it's 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 for the Batman character, and I feel like for the Superman character as well. It's a very oddly beautiful film for them because you would expect that to be probably the darkest film for them. But it's at the end of the day, I don't think it really is. Mm. Um, it's it, the most hopeful because they're in such dire dire situations. <laughs> um, compared to the Donald Superman movies, which I do love, and I do think they are generally great movies, those first Christopher Reeve ones, they live in a world of very much comedy and lightness and fluffiness in some ways. 
Um, so see if they can have hope in a world that's not at all like that and is in many ways the worst possible world to be in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is in some ways more hopeful for me because he's still doing his thing in Superman. Um, which, yeah, it it just works for me, at least. <laughs> and mm. <it's> for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. for me, I think one of the criticisms was that I do think that the the Justice League setup is not really done well. No, it's <laughs> not. Kind it's, of it's a few videos on a computer. Yeah. I feel like it was... If I was going to cut anything out, it would be that scene and probably the dream sequence in um, the apocalyptic future. Yeah. I feel like you, you get those points across in very much in less time than it took to do that. Um, but at the same time, I can't deny that the way he shoots that apocalyptic future is very is like it's like a I don't know I don't know how to describe it. It's like a it's like so epic <laughs> in so many ways. And it's it's shot with like purpose, and there's a fight scene. It's all one shot, and it's all beautifully made and done and coloured, and it's. But at the same time, I don't really feel like it needs to be there. Mm. Um, okay, but, yeah. touching on the action as well, the mm. Batman warehouse scene. Mm-hmm. One of Batman's best fights. Oh yeah, it's the Arkham combat in a movie. <laughs> yes, one of the things I noticed, well, which is rather typical of this Batman. Mm-hmm. Is that normally when Batman throws a batarang, yeah, it sort of comes back, or it's used to knock like a knock like a weapon out of someone's hand. Mm-hmm. Not not Batfleck. <laughs> when, when when Batfleck throws a batarang at somebody, it gets impaled in them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they feel the pain of that one. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, people do criticize this movie and even Man of Steel for like it deconstructs um, the mythos of the character but at the same time never actually like sets them up um which i can understand but at the same time i don't feel like batman's character that we need a new movie that sets up the mythos of the mythos of batman to do this movie um so so i feel like that it does work anyway because i feel like by this point after the nolan trilogy and tim burton and schumacher and animated stuff we all get Batman in some way, you know? Like, we all understand the fundamental basics. Mm. Um, so having this movie, it's just like a weird deconstruction of all that. Um, but somehow, at the same time, still a very hopeful film is... I think it's just it's just like a miracle of a film <laughs> in a lot of ways. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, with criticisms, I would say that probably my most significant criticism of it can be that Doomsday looks awful. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I'm. I'm not a fan of Doomsday. The look of the character, but you know that's just me. Mm-hmm. And the it's... whole fight and the whole point of the fight, I get. I'm 100 percent behind. So yeah, yeah. And as well, a... the the line at the end where Batman says, if it just says, I failed him in life, mm. and I, he he won't do the same in death. Yeah, I feel I like that, that rather poignant in which sort of. Superman has renewed Batman's humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I can't help but love it, man. <laughs> Same. I just think it's gorgeous yeah. as well. Even from the perspective, it's just cool to look at. Yeah, I mean. Uh, the scene where like, Batman, not Superman, is just floating in space. Mm 
mm-hmm. and you have like the sun coming around the earth. Yeah. Beautiful. I, oh god, yeah. I mean, people that criticize um, um, Zack Snyder and say that the studio had to save Justice League because it was a four-hour-long movie and they wanted to make it a two-hour-long movie and not as long or depressing or whatever, just as that movie Superman may have been. Um, I I can't... I really, I mean, I get everyone has an opinion. I really do. I'm a big advocate for all that. But it's just this one thing for me where I can't understand the idea of looking at, looking at Justice League and looking at that movie Superman and then saying Justice League is the... Like I don't know, like the the better, like the actual, like creatively made, better director-led, writer-led movie. Um, I don't, I just can't get my head around that because that movie is such like it's so just like devoid of any sort of style or life. Or I mean, I think even while the behind the scenes drama, it just doesn't feel like it means anything. Whereas this other movie, Batman Superman, feels like it means so much, even if you don't agree with it. Mm. Uh, at least like, the reason we disagree with Justice League is because it's just it's just the way it was made or the way it was remade. Yeah. And yeah, and we we disagree with that. Whereas if you disagree with that MV Superman, you're disagreeing with what it actually has to say. Yeah. Um, and... You're disagreeing with an actual opinion rather than. The way something was done. Yeah, the way something was done on purpose as a as a product rather than an art form. You know, it was... Mm. I mean, I, I could totally understand someone saying, who didn't enjoy Batman v Superman, that Justice League was a more enjoyable two-hour film, that they enjoyed it because it was two hours and it was fun. I can get that. I just can't understand the idea that one was more creatively talented than the other. Yeah. Um, I just really can't understand that. But to so move on to... The Nolan trilogy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we can do. Okay. So we have we both have the Nolan trilogy as our top three. Yeah. Not much surprise there. Not really. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe there might be a surprise in the order. Maybe, maybe. Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Uh, so my number three and number three of the, the trilogy, well, I guess. Actually, before we do this, do you want to do them one at a time, or do you want to just do them both all in one go? Um. I guess you can do them all in one go, and I'll just go through how I rank them, um, and you can go through how you rank them. Okay, yeah. So, so my third one in the trilogy is Batman Begins, and then <laughs> second, <laughs> second one is Dark Knight Rises, and the first one is Dark Knight. Mine is exactly the same. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's why I was laughing when you said it, because as soon as you said Begins, I knew which order you put them in. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the three Begins, two Rises... One in the Dark Knight. Yeah. Do you want to go first? How do you feel about them? Go on. You go first, yeah. Okay. Um, so, for me, Batman Begins is... I think it's a just a, a fantastic movie in general. Um, I feel like it's it's an incredibly well-written movie. I think it's such a sharp, dynamic, and this character-full script. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it has some weak points, but I don't think they detract from, detract from my actual love of the movie and I mean so much of the, so much of the movie is built upon just exploring Bruce Wayne as a character for the first hour um we don't really see him in the bat suit as Batman until an hour in and for that reason it feels so like gratifying and like just like euphoric to see him 
become the symbol that we all know he could be with his pain. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like this is the best, the film that best describes how, I feel like the most inspiring aspect of Batman is the fact that he turns tragedy, tragedy and pain into something um, good and hopeful. Because um, even though, yes, he's a character who is very much related to darkness and being uh, a character always in the shadows and kind of like a, more like a vigilante than an actual superhero, um, I feel like he's still like a symbol for good, um, justice in general. And I feel like that coming out of such pain and tragedy is something this film explores really, really well. Um, and again, the main theme here, I feel like quite obviously being fear, um, not mm. just with Scarecrow, but with Bruce Wayne, with Ra's al Ghul even, with all the characters have some sort of fear. And I feel like Batman in all um, four acts, this me has four acts, <laughs> in all four acts, um, he deals with some element of fear. Yeah. Um, and how to even how to use fear um, as a weapon or defensive tool, um, and I feel like this movie constantly is so so sharp and clear. Even though even though there's so many time jumps in the first um, hour, I never feel like I'm being like pushed around or jumped around. I feel like I'm always in the movie. Yeah, uh, it feels like each each scene leads to the next one. Um, each scene feels like a necessary component, component. similar to all Christopher, Christopher Nolan films, everything's like a necessary component in the in the clockwork. Um, and I feel like going forward, it's strange to say because it's my third in this trilogy, but I feel like it's my favourite Batman movie, um, like for that character. Mm. Uh, it's the one that I feel like best goes into the depths with him um, and just explores him and his relationships and his family. Um, and whilst I guess my criticism, my main criticism is the fact that the third, the, well, the fourth act and the kind of plot device of the, the microwave emitter machine death bomb thing, <laughs> it kind of, it feels kind of like a, a tacked on shit. We're making a Supergirl movie, we'll better have a, an ending that feels like a citywide disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels tacked on, where, whereas everything else feels natural. Um, yeah. But even that is it's such a small thing because it leads to just a great sequence at the end. Um, and yeah, it, it feels like yes, it is spectacle. It is it is made from concert, concert artists that are making a, a new Gotham for a new version of the character, but it never loses its humanity and its its actual love of the law and explaining it in its realistic way because mm. i feel like the main thing here is that it's a realistic portrayal of the character yeah it's which... like all the all the other gothams and all the other versions they have like their unique style mm-hmm. for gotham yeah whereas this one feels it just feels like a real city yeah in the real like... world yeah um and the characters all they all Yes, feel real, but even the um, the evolution into Batman, it doesn't, it isn't like a, a leap of logic of he wants to be a symbol of justice and all this, all these things. But how do you make him? Why, why a bat? It's all about why the bat. It's all, it is all about why the Batman. Um, and it deals with the fact that the bats are his biggest fear, not because bats are, <laughs> bats are scary. It's because it's the main reason he couldn't, he couldn't fit up to his own fear of bats in the cave and therefore currently to his own fear of bats in the opera in which his parents died and mm-hmm. he's the reason for that um so i feel like as a backstory it adds a lot more to make him at fault for it i feel like if you got a backstory for a character 
if they have something tra tragic happen to them, I feel like it adds a lot more if you make them feel like they're responsible. Um, and I feel like that's something this movie does a great job of, of healing that scar that we, we do very early on. Um, and having the Batman be his healing process. Um, so when we come to the end of that movie and he is an actual symbol of what he was, what he was meant to be is, it doesn't feel like, oh, the superhero I paid to see is here. It feels like the character is one on a journey that has meant something and has had themes and had meaning. And I don't know, it's, um, it's a weirdly like beautiful film, I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's so like well written. The use of Scarecrow as the main villain is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the way it's worked in with the fear, as you said. Yeah, and him being the the first villain from on to face is yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, even though I feel like I think the Scarecrow is good, but I wouldn't describe him as anything more than good. Yeah, he's, he's a... probably the weakest of the main villains. He's the least explosive from from, from the Nolan films. Yeah. Um, he's the, I guess, the least explored. Um, he's more just there to be the villain, but at the very least, his villain being there has a meaning that is beyond Tommy Lee Jones is here because he wants money. <laughs> um, yeah, it's yes, yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. having Razal Ghul there as well is a great choice as well. Um, yeah, I think Razal Ghul's the the good first villain because it's very intrinsic to his past. Mm -hmm. It's a good way of bringing, also as well, it's a good way of bringing the whole "I'm not going to kill" mm -hmm. thing to the forefront and making and recognizing that as a key point of Batman that separates him from the villains. Yeah, the villains that he's trying to clean the city up from. Yeah, I mean, we get a whole sequence in this movie where um, Bruce Wayne attempts to murder um, George Hill, the person that murdered his parents. Mm -hmm. uh, with a gun when he's a kid, like a university kid. Yeah. Um, and he attempts to, but someone gets there first. Yeah. And because of the shame he feels from revealing this to Rachel Dawes, the love interest kind of character, um, because of that shame he feels in not just revealing that fact, but also in himself, that is the fundamentals of why he just won't kill or go that far. Um, and it's so well set up, and it, it has so much meaning not so this film, but for the entire trilogy, especially a Dark Knight, where it's all about that one rule. Mm. Um, and I feel like this film does all the groundwork, but not just not just like in a in a we're going through the motion sort of way. In a generally like we want to tell the story and do the groundwork, put the work in, um, which I I always find just fascinating fascinating to watch it. The origin be so um, thoroughly dealt with in a. A two hour, two and a half hour film. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's great, honestly. It is, yeah. I also look like how um, the scarecrow turns up in the other two. Yeah, <laughs> a recurring character. <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah. I mean, him being Killian Murphy and being in a lot of Nolan films obviously helps, but <laughs> <laughs> being a friend. he just pops up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess one criticism as well I have is uh, the accent scenes are. Uh, I can't. <laughs> they edited so poorly overall. I, yeah, I literally have the same thing written down. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually a little choppily edited. It's. I think it works only once in the film. That's when um his first appearance when he fights all those men in the in the docks. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I feel like it helps with the feeling of you have no idea what's happening, but he just he just he just like beat down ten men at once, and they're like they're just done, and he's just gonna move on. Um, I feel like it works for that one first appearance, but after that, it's like why is this so? I can't even tell where's Batman in this scene. Like it's so weird, and I feel like Christopher Nolan for all, for all his amazing strengths as a filmmaker, I feel like one he is. He's always been weak at, and he is getting much better. In Tenet, he is much better at this. Um, but he's always been bad at fight choreography. Um, I don't know what it is. I, don't, I think he... I feel like the way Chris Nolan shoots most things is very bluntly. If he's doing, some, if he's doing something like spectacular, it's never done in a... There's no sort of CGI camera movement that, that whizzes past, the, past somewhere and like, does some sort of weird, amazing thing. It's always shot very matter-of-factly. Which help with the whole the whole grounded tone. It helps with that a lot, but um, it's it's weird how he's just not good at the simple hand hand choreography. Um, mm. I feel like he gets a lot better at it throughout the other films. He does, yeah, he definitely does. Um, uh, and even in this one, where you have I mean, the fight with Ra's al Ghul mm-hmm. in the subway car, it's probably yeah. the, wor- the the worst example because even though there's only two of them, yeah. You have no idea what's happening. Not a clue. I've got no idea. And like, I get that. I imagine. I imagine fighting in the Batman shoot must be really hard. But like, come on. Like, it's so. It's so bad. Like, I don't understand what. This is two characters in one location on a train, and like, they're well lit as well. Like, there's a lot of lighting around them, and still, I have no idea what's going on. Hmm. Um, aside from that, though, the accent is very well done. Aside from the hand, the hand-to-hand choreography. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Batmobile chase, I as a kid watched so many times. Um, I can I can tell you every beat of that chase. I just know everything about that. I, think I, I watched it so many times. But um, yeah, I feel like he's good at action in general. He's very he's very good at it. But just the close up things are just very weird in this film. Um, mm. Yeah. Like I said, Disney is better. Yeah. Should oh, we yeah. move on to our next film? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your opinion on it? Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed this on viewing, mm-hmm. second viewing, or more, more most recent viewing. Yeah, I was expecting to put Batman Begins above it. Oh, okay. But I, after watching it, I just thought I can't because, yeah, I, I just think the whole. I said that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just felt that the whole Batman. I, yeah, again, I literally just commented on it, and then I said the whole again. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Not I need to learn some new sense. words. Nah, you're fine. I don't know how to structure sentences properly. <laughs> difficult, man. Yeah. It's difficult. The concept of Batman wanting to come back and finish, finish where he started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to save the city, I I really like. I think it's a perfect escalation throughout the trilogy. It is, yeah. Like, because Gotham's turned into a war zone or like a massive, just a contained, self-contained dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, but I feel I never feel like that's too much of a leap. Yeah. Like in a lot of films, particularly comic book films or action films, the stakes are raised and you just feel, oh, mm-hmm. there's nothing. We'll get get over it. Whereas this just feels, it feels like a natural progression. Yeah. Um, I feel like the trilogy as well is um, I love the fact that the the beginning is um, the whole um, what do you call them the 
the Shadow Clan, what do you call them? League of Shadows. Yeah, I love that they're sort of the overarching villain in all the films in the trilogy. Um, I like how the ending is very much based around their plan still. Um, how they try to take over the take over the city with fear in the first film, and then try and just destroy it and just wipe it out in the last film. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very much justice taken too far, and I feel that's a great a great back and forth between him, Batman, and that group of people. Um, again, because of the one rule um, of not killing anyone, it's it's a very thin line, but it's very important. And I feel like the the whole trilogy is great at just handling that and making that a very intrinsic part of the character. Um, so having the the main villain still be this the same the same um, League of Shadows this group of people that are uh, this time trying to just wipe wipe the city out of nuclear bomb um, is I think a very a great a really great idea. I think it's very well handled, especially how they came back like with re- like a, with a, a sort of like a revenge angle. Uh, Talia Argul and Bane. There's like they're not just doing a mission now. They're doing a mission because someone last time ruined it for them mm. uh, and killed Talia Argul's father. Um, so I feel like I also love the idea of um, you give hope to people and that's enough to poison their souls. Um, the idea that they could get out, therefore they become crazy, then they would be. They just didn't know they wouldn't ever get out. Um, so having a city be locked down and, and a bomb will probably go off, but you may, it may not. <laughs> and then for people to go crazy and like the the rich eat the, the people the people eat the rich and the rich are no longer have have the things that they had. And Catwoman is living is a an example of someone living in the the poor end of Gotham who is finally living the dream she always had but realizes it isn't it isn't as good as it would actually is. Yeah. It's yeah. it's just more violence. Uh, and yeah, I feel like Bruce Wayne, again this movie is I, I just love the idea that his art all these three movies being one of being a symbol and at the same time what it's like to be the human being behind that symbol. Yeah. Um, and him coming back at the end for one final mission, um, which in this case isn't it's no longer about him wanting to die. It's about him wanting to actually live and go on to have a life outside of Gotham, but mm-hmm. to do this one last thing. Um, and I feel that's a great art for him. Someone, a hero that wants to die, who learns to want to live at the end, is a great, great, a great journey for him. And again, the, the realistic angle, um, having the Lazarus pit be the pit in this movie, which is very much a, it's like a physical, normal kind of hole in the ground where people just go crazy looking upwards and could at the idea that they could get out. Um, yeah. So when Batman goes down there, he wants nothing more than just to just die. I mean, his first uh, question towards Bane is, why did you just kill me? Um, and then when he gets out, to have him be reborn, like his soul be reborn, is a great metaphorical way of doing the Lazarus pit from the comics. Mm-hmm. Which is very, it was very much literal, you come back to life, you go in the pit. Um, yeah. So doing that, I feel like it's very... was very very well handled um and i yeah i just i really just love this movie <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah. it's it just it just brings all the themes of this batman together and i feel like it's a really good trilogy mm-hmm. climax in a way. yeah like yeah bringing all the themes of the fear and the the anarchy that batman inspires because mm-hmm. ultimately, the League of Shadows have come back because he stopped them. Yeah. 
in a way. <laughs> in a way. And yeah. you know, Talia is there because she wants revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about Talia Al Ghul? Um, I think, I think as a character, she she does her job um, as the character, and I feel like I feel like her being the first love interest, the first fake love interest of the film, was a pretty good choice. Um, however, I feel for. For a trilogy full of great villains, I feel like she's the one I forget about. <laughs> I always forget she exists. Mm. Um, of all the villains in the trilogy, I think she's the weakest. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I, do, I do like the twist that um, it was Talia that escaped the pit and not Bane. Yeah. Um, yeah. But beyond that, she has she has a pretty pathetic death. Oh, her death scene is weird. <laughs> she just dies sort of slumped in a chair. In yeah. The driver's seat. I do, however, love the the parallel of the they use the same the same music from Batman Begins when they're when they're destroying the truck. Um, from when he kills, uh, well, he doesn't kill. Uh, he lets Razagul die. <laughs> yeah. At the end of Batman Begins, I feel that's a very good parallel for the trilogy, and I feel like it it really works of him in that sense batman commits to being batman at the end of that uh, at the end of the first film mm. but that moment paralleling paralleling to this film it's when he decides to end being batman and be bruce wayne like finally mm-hmm. uh, when he finally gets through the league of shadows um and yeah i just look also again with christopher nolan and the way he does action again in general some of the hand hand combat here is a bit is a bit weird sometimes but um the way this accent is so it's so great to watch like a, a real street in New York be locked down and how many people just be actually there on day and fighting each other in the streets <laughs> and there's an actual battlefield going around and it's actually getting blown up and there's a real there's a real bat plane as well that's going around. Like that's actually a real <laughs> like it's incredible how much this is actually happening in front of you. Um and yeah, I feel like this film is it feels epic in a way that trilogies can sometimes end on end on a on a bad note. Like mm-hmm. Spider-Man Free, it's I I like that film a lot, but I can't deny it. It's, it's definitely the weakest one. Um again, there's so many trilogies that end on a weak note that feel like they're going they're going for the highest stakes for no real reason, whereas whereas I feel here the stakes are going way higher for a good reason. Um mm-hmm. uh yeah. What, how do you feel about Bane? I, I really like Bane. Same, same. I uh, I love his performance of like this this creature in a mask sort of thing. Mm, <laughs> um, the the evil opposite of Batman, basically. Yeah, and he's constantly in pain. <laughs> That's how I really like. Um, yeah, and the I, I the plane sequence at the beginning is great. Oh yeah, similar to um like similar to how he's always in pain. Uh, in that movie, so is Batman. He's always in pain in that movie. <laughs> mm. um, I think, yeah, I think they're a great parallel to each other. Yeah. They, and I do feel like again the twist of Talia Al Ghul being the main villain, it kind of takes something away from Bane, where he feels more like a henchman than anything else. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel like as much of a mastermind as the the film builds him up to be prior to that. Yeah, I feel like it it kind of dulls him down a bit, but at the same time I can't deny that the performance is there, his themes, his reasons, his character um, is there, and I can't deny that. Um, yeah. Whilst it, it is dulled down by the twist, it is still there. Um, yeah, Tom Hardy is excellent. Yeah, and I it, mean, and it is difficult to hear what he's saying at the odd moment. 
yeah yeah (laughs) i think as a whole just the whole the voice and the aesthetic is very intimidating and very haunting yeah which is exactly what the good villains of this trilogy have also achieved Mm -hmm. as any good villain achieves really you've got to have the voice and the look Mm. that's all like silhouette imagery you know who they are from the silhouette yeah uh, sort of thing um and it's, the being character here just definitely does have that. Um, and, yeah, I feel like uh, having him come after the Joker was always going to be, like, a comparison sort of thing with audiences, where mm-hmm. is he as good as a Joker? Well, it's not really about him in this movie. For that, like, It's about Batman. For It's more so about Batman in this movie than the last one, I would say. Um, yeah. Where, whereas even though Dark Knight, I think, is both our favourite from this list, I feel like it's not the least Batman Batman movie we've gotten because there's been many that haven't been about him, but out of the trilogy, it's probably the least one that's centered around him. Mm. Um, well, yeah, because there's like a, quite a large chunk of it where Batman really isn't in it. Yeah, again, yeah. Like when they're showing when they're showing Gotham fall apart, mm-hmm. it's yeah. mainly through the eyes of of Gordon and uh, and Blake. Yeah, it's again this movie is quite a it's. I guess my criticism of it is it is a big movie and I do feel like it gets lost in the weeds sometimes. I feel like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of different perspectives. Mm. Sometimes we just don't see the main character for 20 minutes and like sometimes, sometimes yes, it does feel a bit like a conflicting sort of mesh of storylines that kind of are in the same place by chance. Um, but that being said, I don't feel like any of them uh, don't hold a sort of meaning or like a purpose of being there and I feel like they're all worthwhile in their own way because I feel like without missing the character of Bruce Wayne you don't feel what the characters that are in the city are feeling because they are in the city by themselves with no support from Batman or anyone and they're in the city and they're just trying to get through supplies across the, the city um, which is a very interesting angle to do in, in a superhero movie mm. You're in a quarantine like city, and you there's like a nuclear bomb somewhere, and they're just trying to get the, the food past this militia army. <laughs> um, it's interesting that a Batman movie has done this, and we're, we have this now as a Batman movie. Um, it's always interesting to have a character be put in a different genre of each movie, um, which is what I think this one does. It puts it in like an, in like a sort of like a weird war movie, um, which is nice. <laughs> different yeah it does you know? it frames it differently and as well yeah. I, I do like how it doesn't betray the themes of the previous ones oh no like yeah. it never becomes solely about the dark knight rises in ignoring the dark knight in Batman mm-hmm. begins yeah. especially with the idea of Batman being a symbol yeah particularly uh, one of my favorite scenes in this and maybe one of my favorite scenes in the whole trilogy as well mm-hmm. is when um when Batman's loading the bomb onto his plane, yeah, and he's sitting down, and Jim uh, Gordon asks him, "Doesn't Gotham deserve to know who saved them?" Yeah, and he says, "It doesn't matter, it's the Batman." But then, and then he says the thing about all it takes is somebody to put a coat around a young boy's shoulders and t- tell him the world hasn't ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which for me is, 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 is as well as coming one of their moments where something comes full circle. Yeah, and it calls back, linking it to the the Batman Begins. Yeah, it's just a really touchy moment for me. Yeah, it's... it reminds of what 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 brought these characters together in the first place. 
Yeah, it's it's like a humanizing moment beyond the whole citywide destruction sort of thing. Um, yeah. It's it grounds the movie in a lot of ways, these little small moments between the characters. Um and I think my favorite moment in this film, I think maybe other than the, the rising rising out of the pit moment, um, I think is the moment where he's talking to Catwoman and he says, um the Catwoman says, We could just leave, you know, you've done, you've already given so much to these people and he says, Not anything and not yet. Um and the movie happens after that and it's he kind of Sacrifices sacrifices the symbol of Batman as to be even a bigger symbol um, for everyone to take on, um, which is what the character of um, uh, Joseph Blake, I think, is character name. Mm-hmm. Um, um, which again, I feel like it's, it, that ending of Dark Rising, where everything, the montage of everything getting wrapped up, it feels emotionally like really rewarding. Um, yeah. having the symbol mean something in the end and not be built upon lies how they were in the the Dark Knight at the end. Um, it's a pure symbol now, and it has a meaning, and it has people that are going to carry it forward. Um, which, yeah, it's an amazing achievement, really. This at least three thumbs. <laughs> yeah, and I think that brings us to our number one. Yeah, the Dark Knight. <laughs> I feel like there wasn't really much. There yeah. wasn't much mystery about what would be number one. Not really. No. It was always going to be the Dark Knight. It's. It's endlessly impressive as a film, isn't it? Like, just all of it. <laughs> and just, yeah. just how how compact it feels as well. Yeah. Like it all feels concise. Like you said with Batman Begins, it feels just so focused. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the themes and what, what you're supposed to take away from it, the message of it, remains mm-hmm. consistent throughout. Yeah. And... I mean, again, similarly with Dark Knight Rises, it has a lot of things going on. It's a globe-trotting journey. Like, we go to Hong Kong at some point in this movie. <laughs> and yeah, they do. At no point do you feel like you're losing track of anything or, like, being pulled in one direction even though you want to go out the other way. It's, it feels like it's all re- rewarding at the same time as actually meaning something. Mm. Um, uh, and all the, all the themes in this, in this movie and the characters and the conflicts and how the characters kind of represent each other's best worst parts and I mean Harley Dent's arc in this movie is I think it's it's really well handled. Uh, it's brilliant isn't it? Yeah. And the way they reflect him off Batman himself um is I really think it just works so well. Um and of course like the Joker. <laughs> um, yeah. I when I watched this film recently it was I hadn't seen it for ages. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking and I know it's good. It'll be good. I'll enjoy it. Yeah. But I, when I, when we were watching it and afterwards, I think I'd probably forgotten exactly how good it is. Yeah. <laughs> and just how well it how it's not it's not just how well it flows, but how well the the story as a whole is handled, how it escalates, mm-hmm. and how issues and themes are interwoven in that. Yeah. It's not just a a, a fancy Joker villain for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. There's purpose behind it while also acknowledging how big of a deal the Joker is. Yeah. And it's sort of really the first first version where they acknowledge this link between Batman and the Joker. Yeah. Where it's like, you complete me. Yeah. It's uh, a give and take between them two. And it's it's like a like a weird like 
like relationship where either party just won't end it. You're like, mm. where, where it would have been easier, much easier to just do that. <laughs> yeah, um, Batman obviously won't kill Joker because that's his rule. But mm-hmm. the Joker won't kill Batman because without him, what's the point? Yeah. Because it's he, not funny. Yeah. It's like it's implied at the beginning of Batman Begins that the lunatic could rise up because Batman did. Yeah, like and escalation. It, yeah, and that's that's the presence of Joker. Joker wouldn't exist without Batman because there's not that lunatic taking over the asylum thing. <laughs> yeah. Um Another thing I always am surprised by it and always really enjoy is I always feel like this uh, movie really takes um, takes time, and by that I mean it's not like it's a two and a half hour uh, movie and therefore it takes takes time. I feel like there's two and a half movie, two and a half hour movies that really go fast. Um, but this movie, um, for the first act of this movie, the villain isn't really the Joker. It's more like this mob boss that's in, in Hong Kong, mm, um, yeah. and the Joker kind of. Is interwoven within it, especially in the prologue of the bank house. But and it's always this looming threat of the Joker will at some point become the antagonist. However, he's not right now for the first half an hour of the film, um, which is so interesting. Interesting as a choice to do, and I think it's it again runs runs uh, runs into that theme of escalation very well, um, and how the Joker is is like he's a better he's calls himself the better a better class of uh, a better class of criminal, um, which is in a weird sort of horrible way of what he is um he kind of isn't doing it for the money or any sort of material possession it's more just the idea of someone in a society doing something that it's it's just not understandable why he is the way he is um even though there's theories about why he is the way he is about he might be an ex-military man or whatever it doesn't really factor into the movie as a whole um it doesn't really matter no, it's ambiguous for the reason it's a bit ambiguous. <laughs> um, and I feel like this movie, the reason the Joker works so well is not just the performance of Heath Ledger, which is amazing and and this incredible, incredible performance, but also the fact that whenever the Joker reappears as a threat in the movie, it's always something that doesn't just, it's not just a surprise, it's more like everything that seemed somewhat safe has been just turn on his head. And I mean that in, like, characters that you thought were going to be in this movie for the entire time are going to be lost halfway through. So, like, Rachel Dawes, a character who was the love interest of the movie, is becomes, at the end, a damsel in distress. And what mm-hmm. we know from that is in superhero movies that at some point they will be saved and something, maybe something terrible happens somewhere else, but it won't be to this the love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so when... Not only is he killed, but he's killed in the middle of saying one sentence. Like he's killed in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. Um, it's just a not just like it's not a shock for shock uh, sake. It's it's the line between Joker and Batman being tested, and the anar- the anarchy that he brings being tested against Batman's order. Um, and again, it feels like everything that's safe being turned on his head, uh, especially when Harvey Dent has half his face burned off and he comes this horrible version of version of himself. Um, it's all based upon this idea of chaos and the fact that in the movie and the trolls that you know are never even safe in the movie you're watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it all works for a concise like whole picture. Like uh, it works well together in all the ways it could do. <laughs> um, mm. This is good. <laughs> it is. It's just great as well. You know, you have 
throughout this trilogy, you have a brilliant score. Oh, yeah. Hans Zimmer works with magic. Yeah. The Joker theme on, like, the raises, the, the raises on the guitar strings is an incredible violin, maybe. Uh, oh, it's just a good... Oh, it's so good. <laughs> mm, it is. It's, it's so good. Um, yeah. I, yeah. It just it captures the imagination as well. Yeah. Because, well, it manages to be menacing while also maintaining, like, a 12A. Mm-hmm. Or a PG-13. Yeah. Like... The, the moment when like Joker puts the razor to people's mouths, mm-hmm. it's genuinely menacing, and you're fearful. You almost want to look away. Yeah. But there's no need to look away. Yeah. It never uh, really shows anything. Never. Yeah. There's nothing ever shown in this movie that's graphic, but it's always implied, um, and I feel like it works much better being that way um, than it would if we just shown it. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a miracle as well that they got away with Two Faces' um, face in this movie. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> it's very that's quite graphic actually. And that's the one part of me that's quite graphic. Um, yeah, um, and I love the idea that at the end of the day, the Joker did win. I mean, the fact that he, yes, he is in prison or whatever he is, and uh, technically his plan to have people kill each other just to, just to survive and didn't go to plan that he wanted it to, but. Um, the fact that he took down Gotham's uh, White Knight, as a call him in the movie, mm-hmm. Harvey Dent, and made him the, the absolute villain of the movie at the end in that really well-done scene between um, Harvey and Christina Gordon and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's everything in this movie summed up in a really great way and how he wins, but Batman kind of endures it all. And his symbol is never... His symbol now is built upon so many lies, <laughs> um, and mm. so many criminals are being arrested under this under this um, this act under the law that is based on again so many lies because of the Joker. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's weird how much it works actually. <laughs> it is, and the whole point of Batman saves Gotham by enduring. Yeah. And he, you know, the, the final monologue from Gordon where it's like, he does it because he can. Yeah. He's the only one that can. And it's a true understanding of what Batman is. Yeah. It's the and will to <laughs> Yeah. And as well, sort of, in terms of building up origins mm-hmm. and with the, the characters are traditional Batman villains, we yeah. all know them. Like when you hear Harvey Dent's name, you know he's going to become Two-Face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it handles them while not just doing it in a gratuitous manner. They could just say, oh, he's had an accident, he's got half his face burnt off, here we are. <laughs> yeah. It's not It's not done that way, it's done meaningfully and it's done with a purpose for the film. Yeah. And it, it's something that, you know, you, you see a lot in other superior films where people have said, I'll put this villain in, you have to put this villain in mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to sell toys, to make people want to see it. Yeah. There are multiple villains in these films, but none of them feel rammed in there. Never, no. They feel they add something to the plot. They are important to the plot. Yeah. And they're important to what the film's trying to say. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why in the previous Batman films or in other superhero films, the main Batman 2, where there's three or four villains, um, there's a reason why that feels really messy, disjointed, and really empty compared to this. Um and that's because I feel like every 
every new character or villain or plot device or scene, especially in the Dark Knight, um, it has its purpose to be a theme or a, an idea or a conflict that needs to resolve. Um, so there's always the ultimate conflict of Batman trying to give order to the, um, provide order to Gotham. And obviously the main conflict, conflict against that is um, Joker um, providing chaos to the Gotham. Mm-hmm. Uh, but throughout the film, no matter if it's Harvey Dent or Rachel Dawes or Commissioner Gordon or whoever, it's always this balancing act of, of, um, of um, chaos and order between the two characters. Mm-hmm. And who's being out the other one, who's, who's almost winning maybe, and who's just not winning at all. Um, and movie, the movies, these three movies really work in that way. And they're always, every scene feels like it's working towards a, uh, a really um, a, 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 a scene within a whole picture that makes the picture what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if one scene is, you can always take, I feel like you can take any scene out of this movie and it could be, you could make it thematically revel- uh, relevant to the overarching whole to our movie, um, which is impressive. This is an impressive skill to have in any film. Like it's, incredible it's incredible this movie in so many ways and it's i think it's um uh kind of uh kind of a showcase of why the oscars are kind of weird and like they didn't ever give this uh, movie an oscar despite um how great it was in all the ways it was because it was under the genre of superhero films and they only really gave superhero um, an oscar to Heath Ledger um but otherwise they just didn't this movie is so well written and well directed and well acted, but it never, it never got any awards aside from Heath Ledger. Um, even though 2008 was defined by this movie in a lot of ways, um, it's yeah, it's weird this movie and how this phenomenon is as a movie, not just in the genre but in all movies. <clears throat> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think we've reached our. Yeah. Natural conclusion. <laughs> yeah. We've talked for a long time. <laughs> what a film. Yeah. Great film. Yeah. Great trilogy. The, yeah. The Nolan trilogy comes out on top, and rightfully so, I think. Yeah. And it's Batman, thoughtful. Batman. It's concise. It's true to Batman. Yeah. As well as being his own thing. Mm-hmm. So you want to go through all the rankings in one, one go? <laughs> yep. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, From 10. So, no, okay. So number 10 for me is Justice League. Uh, number 9 is Batman and Robin. Number 8 is Batman Forever. Number 7 is Batman. Number 6 is Batman The Lego Movie. Number 5 is Batman Returns. Number 4 is Batman v Superman. Number 3 is Batman Begins. Number 2 is Batman The Dark Knight Rises. And uh, number 1 is The Dark Knight. Okay. Mine is actually quite similar. <laughs> at yeah. 10 Batman Forever number 9 Batman and Robin number 8 Justice League number 7 Lego Batman number 6 Batman 89 number 5 Batman Returns number 4 Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition <laughs> 3 yeah. Batman Begins 2 The Dark Knight Rises and number 1 The Crown Belongs to the Dark Knight <laughs> yeah and who knows? Who knows where the, the Batman in 2021, 2020 could end up being? <laughs> it has the potential to go anywhere. It could, it could go anywhere. 
We're hopeful. Yeah. We're hopeful. We are. We're very hopeful. Looking, looking, looking. Hopefully, towards the darkness that is Matt Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So yeah, do you want me to finish off? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, we hope you've enjoyed listening to our run through of the Batman films. Uh-huh. Wide variety. Yeah, a lot of different films that are all different. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. very much so. We hope <laughs> you've enjoyed listening. Yeah. You can, if you want more from us, you can witness our new opinion post that's starting for, for about a month. Mm-hmm. On Instagram at the Marvelous Cinema Podcast, and you can also find them on Twitter at Cinema Marvelous. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed, please leave a review. It helps us out a lot. Uh, we like five star reviews. Four star reviews are a push. <laughs> but yeah. honestly, just give us an honest review. Give us some feedback, and we'll work on it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed. Goodbye. Bye.